You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Day and night must scramble for a living. Feed a wife and children. Send his daily press Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with New Radio Media, and we'll spend the next hour talking Torah learning stuff and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can email the show at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes. Again, Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. Well, winter is officially here tomorrow. You wouldn't know it from outside because it's raining right now. And you wouldn't know it from inside because inside here it's nice and toasty warm. We're going to have a special guest later today. His name is Aaron A. Kaplan, musician, composer. You may have heard his music on different shows or movies or what. We're going to talk about his music. And unlike last week's guest, who I guess music is our theme the last couple weeks, um, this is symphony music. So we're going to get some culture in here. I'm not sure how much I can handle, but certainly an hour's worth should be fantastic. He has some famous songs we'll talk. And of course, we are now in the last Torah portion of the book of Genesis. And today we're going to talk blessings. All kinds of blessings happen in this week's Torah portion. Joseph's two sons and the 12 tribes get blessed. All kinds of blessings. And we'll see how much we can get through in the Torah portion. Of course, we'll be joined at the end of the show, as always, by Bjornison Goldson of Ethical Imperatives. So, let's get right down to it. So, again, it's the last Torah portion of the book of Genesis. Jacob is now in Egypt. He is with all his children. Everybody is alive and well. Everyone can hang out with him and study Torah and be spiritual. Everything he finally wanted after a most difficult life. Now his last 17 years are fantastic. Studies with the grandchildren. But he's getting older. And uh, Joseph very much wants his two children to get a blessing from their grandfather. It seems not just any old blessing, but a special blessing. So Joseph brings his two children. We'll go over the, the story just quickly, just to make sure we have a feeling for the story. And then there's a few, I think, important points, a lot of important points, but a few that I would like to, uh, to pick on. So firstly, Joseph will bring his two children. Jacob will will uh, tell Joseph how he buried his mother on the side of the road, and the commentaries explain that Rachel is buried on the side of the road, so when the Jewish people go into exile, they will pray by her by her grave, and it's the prayers of Rachel that uh, the God listens to to bring the Jewish people back from certainly the first exile, the Babylonian exile, to build the second temple, and, and uh, Jacob will look at the children, and he will, he'll talk, he'll, and it, the Torah, so the commentaries talk about how he sees the great people will come from them and not such great people will come from them. And that at one point affects um, how he's going to give the blessing. So, jo- so, so Joseph sets up his two sons 
um, to bring them to Jacob for the blessing. Now, it seems everyone must have been in on this because, generally speaking, you have two kids, very nice. You want to give each one a blessing, so give each one a blessing. Menashe is the older one, give him a blessing. Ephraim is the younger one, give him a blessing. You want to give Ephraim first because he's going to be more special, give Ephraim first. But instead, Jacob wants to give both children a blessing at the same time, which is, again, unusual um, for those who bless their children Friday night or before the high holidays. We don't give a blanket blessing to our children, each child has the opportunity come to the father, come to the mother, and the parent blesses the child. Like, together seems a little strange. So we're going to come back to that. I just want to first get through the story. So he blessed them together. Interesting enough, uh, Menashe is on Jacob's right. Ephraim is on Jacob's left. But Jacob switches his hands. So even though Menashe remains on the right, but Ephraim gets the better hand. Again, we have to know what that means. We're going to try to uh, decipher that a little bit. But again, instead of Jacob having the boys switch positions, he has the boys stay. Again, we're calling them boys. Um, they're somewhere in the 25-year-old range, give or take a couple years. So we're calling them boys, but they're not really little children anymore. Um, Joseph is unhappy. His father says, I know what I'm doing. Even though I'm blind, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know who's who. This is the way I wanted to give the blessing. And the younger one will have a greater person come from him, so he gets my right hand. That greater person coming from Ephraim happens to be Joshua. Joshua is the one that takes the Jewish people from the desert and brings them into the land of Israel and conquers the land of Israel. Um, that pretty much ends the story of these boys getting a blessing. Um, then there's more blessings in the Torah portion. Then uh, Jacob sees he's getting sick. He knows he's about to die. He calls in his 12 sons, and he says he gives each one a blessing. The Torah itself, some of those blessings don't sound like blessings. They're, they're really more of a, uh, of a rebuke, a last chance at a rebuke for the first three sons, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. But again, the Torah says that after he blesses all of them individually— then he sort of gives a blanket blessing to all of them. And so everybody gets blessed, and then Jacob dies. Then he's buried. He's buried in the land of Israel. That pretty much gets us through most of the Torah portion. We'll see if we have time to get back to it later. But there's a few things we got to focus on. So first, let's focus. Um, why is Jacob giving these two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, blessings together? Like, it, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't, like, lose blessings um, if I give the same blessing, you should be a great, religious, righteous person. You should be wealthy. You should be strong. You should be talented. Whatever blessing I give you, I can give all my children identical blessings. As a matter of fact, Friday night, um, all my children get the same blessing. There happens to be a, a little bit of a difference for boys and girls. Interesting enough, we bless our boys to be like these two children of Joseph, right, that that you should be like Ephraim and Menashe. Uh, officially, God should make you God should put you like Ephraim and Menashe. That's the boy blessing. And girls, we say they should be like the matriarchs. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah. So even in there, there becomes a question. If I'm blessing my girls to be like the matriarchs, you would think I should bless my boys to be like the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead, all of a sudden, these two children of Joseph 
get the blessing. They, it's like a second blessing that the, the, the Jewish people will continue to bless their children to be like Ephraim and Menashe. And the question is, what's so special about these children? That's question one. Question two we have to deal with is... Uh, Question two we have to deal with is why they're getting a blessing together. So let's answer the second question first, and hopefully that'll help us out on the first question. We have talked about over the weeks that brothers uh, don't do too well in many of these Torah portions. We have Ishmael and Isaac fighting. We definitely have um, uh, Jacob and Asa fighting. Over the last couple weeks, we have the brothers and Joseph fighting. So brothers don't seem to do too well in all these Torah portions. They don't get along. And um, not only that, a, a second thought, just as a, I want you to think about it, is um, the oldest son never seems to be the one to, at the end of the day, to be the important child. Because Isaac is not the oldest. Jacob is not the oldest. Joseph is not the oldest. And by the way, with Ephraim and Manasseh, Ephraim is not the oldest. So that concept of the oldest child takes over seems to be squashed in all these Torah portions. The oldest has no real value, certainly, when it comes to spirituality. And not only that, it almost seems like it's a detriment. It always seems like the second son is better off. Of course, it doesn't have to be that way, but that is the way we find it. But there's something special about Ephraim and Menashe. What's special about Ephraim and Menashe is these are the first two special brothers, special children, no fights. We don't hear of any fighting, any bickering. A little bit later in, uh, in, the, in the prophets, we find a little bit where they have some issues with each other. But for the most part right now, these brothers are together. That's so valuable, this idea of peace and togetherness and friendship, that concept is so, so important for the Jewish people that Jacob is going to bless them together. And obviously Joseph must have been in on this because he's bringing his two children together to Jacob. So it's, it's a, it, we're trying to teach a lesson, or Jacob is trying to teach his children a lesson that success for the Jewish people comes when there's brotherhood, when there's friendship, when there's love, when we're together, when we can take care of each other, when we don't let things bother us, we can let issues slide. When we can do that, then there's peace, there's harmony. Life is fantastic. We even mentioned last week, I told my class today, I happen to be studying that right now, where when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, so it says Joseph cries on Benjamin's neck and Benjamin on Joseph's neck, because they're crying, Rashi says, because of future destruction, because of the temple's destruction, because of one of the tabernacle's destructions, because they realize destruction comes when there's friction, when there's fighting, when brothers aren't acting like brothers. And even though when Joseph reveals himself at that small time frame, there's brotherhood and there's friendship, but it doesn't last and it's going to lead to destruction. So that idea of brotherhood is so important that Jacob wants to bless them together. Keeping with that thought, um, to tell Ephraim and Manasseh to switch places is going to be very insulting to Manasseh. And it's going to put him down. So Jacob says like this, Manasseh deserves to be on my right. 
but he doesn't deserve my right hand. So I'm sort of sharing the wealth. One child gets my right side. One child gets my right hand. Again, to make sure there's no friction. As soon as you start treating people different, they get nervous, they get upset, and, they, uh, and it leads to, unfortunately, destruction. So I want to touch on something quickly because, uh, like we did last week, I'm going to play a special music video from Aaron Kaplan in a couple minutes from now leading into the break. So I want to try to touch on our, uh, my other question, and that is, what is a blessing? Isaac gives Jacob blessings, and Asa was all upset about it, and Abraham is giving blessings, and, and now Jacob is giving Ephraim and Manasseh blessings and all the children's blessings. Like, what is this? What, what is this blessing? It has power. It doesn't have power. So, so let's think. It's, it's interesting when we, I, I saw the, a couple of days ago, when we live our lives and we make all our plans and all the things we want to do and how we want to act and, and our business and our life and our family, Everybody knows, even scientists know, you can make all the plans in the world. But there seems to be other things that either get in our way. Somebody's car broke down, so you got the interview, so you got the job. Or something happened that you broke down, you didn't get the job because you got another job, you met this person. There's things that happen like in the cosmos. And people say, well, there's no explanation how these things work. It's all luck. So we tell each other all the time, you're going into a business meeting, you're, you're, you're going to your boss, good luck. We, the Jewish people, we don't believe in luck. It's not luck. This is just how God runs the world. You have your talents, you have your abilities, you put in all your efforts. But at the end of the day, God is still pulling strings here and there to move things along the way God wants it to be. The idea of a blessing, the idea of a blessing is that certainly with, with special people like the patriarchs, but even anybody, the idea of the blessing is I'm asking God to pull some strings to help you out where you need help so you can accomplish what you're looking to accomplish in your studies, in your spirituality, in your business. That's the idea of the blessing. And, and great, righteous people have God's ear. God has reasons they, they earned it. They deserve it. People talk about their rebbes and other things and righteous people. The truth is the Talmud says um, any blessing from any Jew is very important. You never look down at anybody's blessing because the blessing is asking God to uh, play with the cosmos, not luck. It's all with a plan. And we're going to pause here. And as I told you, we're going we're gonna to be talking to Aaron A. Kaplan after the break. But leading into the break, I wanted to play a fantastic, beautiful music video that he created. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, that video is called Got to Be You and Me. Enjoy that video, and we'll be back right after the break. children of the world and we want to make a difference cause we see we can make this world a better place to be for our problems to be solved all us kids have got to get involved one by one 
we'll get them all resolved, you'll see. It's got to be you. winners if we share one dream and work together as a team we can start by doing the right thing every day hand in hand and heart to heart the world is a work of art and we've all got to do our part Detroit. It's the home of some of the world's most talented artists. It's where techno and Motown were born. It's a city where you can experience raw, untamed rock and roll. I'm Ben Rose, and I'm inviting you to join me weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians, info on what's going on around town, and a playlist curated by me just for you. It's all right here on NewRadioMedia.com. As a business owner, you're always looking to save money and cut costs where you can. And if you advertise on radio or television, you know it can get pretty pricey. If radio and TV aren't delivering like they promised, and you're looking for a more reasonably priced way to get your message to the masses, I've got an answer for you. New Radio Media. With live streaming and on-demand programming, your message can be seen throughout the day, and you can worry a little less about cutting those costs. For more information, go to NewRadioMedia.com or call Buzz Van Houten at 248-939-9999. Surfing the internet can be good for your brain, especially if you're getting up there in years. UCLA scientists say that the internet searching helps to stimulate your brain function by triggering centers in your brain that control decision-making and complex reasoning. In a study to be published in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry, the researchers say that using the internet to seek out new information might stimulate the brain enough to sustain brain health and your cognitive ability. Before the computer age, the one activity that was linked to an active mind was solving crossword puzzles. The fact that even simple tasks like searching the internet might enhance your brain circuitry suggests that our brains are really sensitive to mental exercise and actually continue to learn as we grow older. So using an internet search engine such as Google produces the same brain activities as reading, but it also increases activity in areas of your brain that control decision making and complex reasoning. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. And we're back, and we are now joined by Aaron A. Kaplan, an internationally acclaimed symphonic, if I pronounce that right, film composer as well as an orchestrator, pianist, and songwriter. His music can be heard on radio, television, and film. He's composed Gotta Be You and Me, which we played right before the break. Um, a heartfelt message from children all over the world who sing to inspire others. 
Um, and his other famous song, We're Coming Home, um, which was uh, he made to, cre- to raise funds to rescue Jews from around the world, bring them to Israel, was the number one song in the United States. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for the wonderful introduction. How are you doing, Rabbi? I am doing fantastic. I've only been listening to your song over and over and over. It's on my Facebook page. It's on my LinkedIn page. Now we played it. We used the, midi- the, the, the video, the music video clip, so everybody watched it for a few minutes before the break. But what's really important is, how is the weather in Dallas today? <coughs> well... Uh, at this moment, because, you know, when you're in Texas, you just wait a minute and the weather changes. So right now, I think we're luckier than a lot of the country where it's beautiful out, maybe 50 degrees and sunshine. But I don't know what it'll be in another hour. Well, right now here in the wonderful city of Detroit, it's in the high 30s and it's raining. But uh, it's all good. It's all good. So before we start talking about uh, your music and and how you do it, and why you do it, and what you're doing it for. Um, can you just tell us about yourself for a few minutes? Uh, yes, sir, absolutely. Um, I don't know exactly where to begin, but uh, I'll just make it very brief, so I don't want to put your audience to sleep, although I, I'm sure they're wide awake. I was listening to uh, you speak earlier, and it was very informative. I love what you said. And Thank you. And I tie in with some of the music I did. But I started when I was uh, about four years old. I started playing the piano because my sister was playing. And I guess I had a knack for it because by the time I was five, she didn't like the fact that I played so well. <laughs> so she quit. Uh, I didn't. I, my parents made her sit down and listen to me when I wrote songs, even at that young age. And so that didn't help either. But moving forward... Uh, I, I worked uh, for my dad in the recycling business after college. Uh, I, I, music was always in my life, but uh, I guess when you're Jewish, you're either a doctor or a lawyer in your dad's business. But, but there was always a musician in me. So uh, actually, for those people who are frustrated and, don't, and want to pursue the passion in their life, I didn't actually study film scoring and music and all that seriously. So I went to school uh, out in California in my 30s. And then I've been doing that now for 30 years or more, and I love it. That is amazing. It is never too late to, uh, I guess, follow your dream. It's never too late. That is really inspirational. And I'm sure your father appreciated you working for him all those years. Yes, sir. I, I felt an obligation to do that, but uh, uh, at some point... Uh, uh, when he had an opportunity to do something else, I told him, look, I, uh, you did your thing, I want to do my thing, and you don't need the stress from all this, sell it, uh, enjoy life. And I went on my, my own little adventure, for better or for worse. Yeah, well, I'm hoping it's for better. So I, 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 I know in the order of your songs, you may have your favorites. I happen to like the song we played, It's Gotta Be You and Me. I just like that song. I like the message. I like what it stands for. Could you tell us a little bit about the song, why did you write it, what inspired the song, what you were looking for, if it accomplished what you wanted? Yes, sir. I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I have a uh, collaborator I work with a lot on, on, on lyrics in particular and sometimes the music named Annette Tucker out in California. And we did this together uh, really because, I mean, we need, we need the message, to, uh, from, especially from children, that, that we all need to work together to make this a better world. 
And, and, and like you so beautifully said, uh, uh, Jacob was talking about if we're going to have success in this world, uh, you know, we need love and harmony and friendship. We have to have peace. We really have to have to work together. And, and that was one of the main purposes of the song, children singing the char, uh, to other children, kind of a we are the world from, from, from children. Uh, what you played was... Uh, just uh, from the music video, and and the kids did a good job. We did uh, also did a professional recording with uh, an artist out in L.A. for the song itself. But but we wanted to have a real strong feeling with the with the video to get to get that across. And with the video, we also dedicated it to the adoption of older kids. I was also inspired to do that. Although the song may not be specifically for that, you're still healing the world by helping kids that are in the foster care program and adopting them or at least giving them a home. Uh, my, one of my daughters adopted three older kids at the ages of 5, 10, and 11. Wow. Uh, and she's saving, she has saved their lives. So that's, what's, that's kind of, so it was kind of a two-part thing, the song and then the music video dedicated to the adoption of older kids. You know, it's interesting. It says in the Talmud that if you save one person's life, you saved a world. And and sometimes we need to focus when we when we want to help and we think we have to do everything. But you take care of one of those children. You adopt one of those, especially an older foster child. Right. I, I mean, that's a world. Each child is a world. I know at the beginning of the video you have that, um, I guess, that globe that's rolling, which is, I guess, part of the message. But now let's talk music a little bit. Why do you think that when you, when you create a message through music, it's much more powerful than you just have some uh, important person get up and speak and say, this is a great idea? Well, Rabbi, that's a great question, and I, I'm rarely, I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, music, you know, one thing, I, I wear another hat, too, and I, I teach uh, the healing aspects of music. I lecture it. I perform my original music that I wrote for the healing aspects of music. I travel around the country lecturing thousands of doctors and health professionals around the country and, and with special tones and harmonies and everything. Music is, is vibration, and we're made of vibration. And in fact, it affects us on the deepest level, on the molecular level, level the cellular level, and and the, I think it's the vagus nerve. It affects that, which affects our whole body. So it can, music can be very positive, or or like negative energy in the world can be negative. But that that is um, uh, what I try to do is bring more, like you were talking about, more harmony into the world. And 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 I think I'm like a a conduit. We all are in a way. You're a conduit, uh, a channel for God's spirit and love and the way you talk and the, and the lessons you teach. And I'm that way Thank more you. musically and that way. I'm not as, uh, uh, words aren't my thing, but uh, my language is more of music. And, and, try, and so I kind of channel that. I think we're not really, as human beings, really creating ourselves. We're, we're, we're in partnership, maybe, perhaps, with spirit, with angels, with God what, or the universe, whatever it is out there that we tap into and channel. It's kind of a healing energy. So I think, to answer your question, because music is so, it's a, like a gift from God. It, it, it's soothing, it's healing. Children are a gift from God, and, and, and they remind us 
that there's so much more out there and remind us that they're angelic. And it's, 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 a, uh, it's a whole package of energy that, that affects us. And, and when you marry it together with words, it makes it even more powerful and it can affect us in a very amazing kind of way. Amazing, amazing. I mean, look, everybody says music is a universal language. It speaks to all of us. And sometimes it calms us and soothes us, and sometimes people can create music that makes us nervous or, or, or even angry. It's, it's powerful. So when you meet all these doctors, I'm just going to go back on this. When you speak to all these different doctors, what do you try? I mean, I don't know what kind of doctors. What do you want them to do with your music? Where do you want them to use either your music or anyone's music? What are you trying to have the doctors accomplish? Well, I tell you, uh, doctors are, and the way the training is today, they're, you know, they're, they're focused on very left brain, and music and creativity is more right brain, if I can generally speak. So I'm, I'm trying to open them up to be more creative, and, and even I've, I've even one doctor used me to play the piano in the background as he was lecturing, because I think it actually helped the doctors to relax more, to focus more, to use a little more right brain. So, but my purpose is to get the doctors to use the music to, to help them in their work themselves, to help them relax, to open them up more, and particularly for their patients, especially the, some of the music I use that I create binaural tones in it, to help them, their patients, particularly children that may be ADHD or a little autistic. I've gotten great feedback on that, that the music helps these kids to calm down, to relax, because it also some of the music actually lowers the, the frequency vibration in the brain so low into a, a alpha uh, or theta state that that's where, like when you do yoga or something like that, or when you do a deep meditation, for instance, Rabbi, it brings you into a very calm, relaxed state, and that's a state where we can focus, create, and, and, and relax better and think and, and learn uh, and remember things so much better so I'm hoping the doctors will use, and a lot of them just grab up my CDs and music afterwards to, to want to use that to help their patients. See, no more FM music in their offices anymore. Now it's got to all be your CDs, which is probably a very good idea. <laughs> we, we have about a minute and a half to the break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk for sure about your other song that we talked about, which, uh, of course, I can't find right here, but I know what it is. Oh, we're coming home. But for about a minute... Uh, we're going to take this question first. We'll try to finish it. If not, I'll cut you off. Um, but we talked about your music being Jewish, or some of your music has a Jewish feel to it. What makes your music or music Jewish? That is, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. I just think um, I have a Jewish soul, uh, perhaps, or it has a Jewish uh, it has a Jewish feeling. Uh, technically, it's because it's in those those uh, minor keys and tones, but I think it's more about what I'm channeling from, in a spiritual way to create that. The subject may be Jewish that I'm working on, so it comes through that feeling. I don't intentionally try to do it. Uh, so some people may say I'm a Jewish composer because I wrote Jewish music, but it, there's, there's so much that goes into that, and We're Coming Home had, had a uh, Jewish theme, and just I just uh, open myself up to that feeling and what I'm trying to create and, and, and support. 
So it, it, there's many textures and points that go to that that can affect that. Amazing. Okay, so Aaron, you'll hold through the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your next song, We're Coming Home, your number one Jewish song in the U.S. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Rabbi Tzvi on Let's Talk Torah. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. <laughs> Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> Welcome back to the Craig Folly Show. Our votes don't matter. I, and I always disagree. Doing this show, I feel like I get like a little bit of time to chit-chat with the man. Yeah. I fell in love with. Oh. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. Writer, producer, director. How did this whole thing come about for you? The latest LiftMaster garage door openers and the toughest retractable screens on the market, all by the push of a button. Tarno Doors is celebrating its 50th year anniversary and is the recipient of the 2016 Subcontractor of the Year from the Home Builders Association. Tarno knows doors. Tarno knows doors. The BG song Staying Alive just might help someone you know stay alive. It's one of those beats you just can't get out of your head once it's there. And it turns out the disco song has 103 beats per minute, which happens to be the perfect number to maintain the rhythm for performing CPR. A study out of Illinois found that doctors and medical students who listened to the song while they were practicing CPR not only performed flawlessly, but they also remembered the technique five weeks later. The keys to CPR are performing the technique aggressively that is pushing hard enough and pushing on the chest fast enough to force the blood to where it needs to go. So when it comes to proper technique, it turns out that compressing the chest to the beat of staying alive really can help the victim stay alive. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. And we're back, and now we're starting to hear We're Coming Home, that number one Jewish song in the U.S. I'm not sure what that means, Aaron. Like, how it was at one time it was a number one song. It was picked as a, for a year. What did that mean? What that, what that means was I was asked to score music to a documentary to help raise funds to rescue Jews and, and actually even Christians from oppression and persecution from around the world and bring them to Israel, and this was rescuing Jews from Ethiopia, the Balkans, and Russia, and so forth. It, it was, yeah, it was like about 18, 20 years ago, and uh, out of thousands of songs out in California, it was kind of like the Jewish Grammys. Each year they did that, and uh, they considered thousands of songs, and they had heard my song, and and they found, they, they uh, voted on it, decided the experts, the best in the music world that were the judges and for Jewish music and decided this should be the best song of the year in our in our country and uh, it was quite an honor I would I, I was very surprised about it but I was glad to fortunate enough to have that and more importantly the documentary helped to raise millions of dollars all right so let's let's talk about that a little bit in other words they came to you because they were looking to raise funds to well, again, I know it's Jews and Christians from different countries in the world. I mean, everything is timely. 
right. Uh, right? People are oppressed all over the place, and of course, everything takes money. So you were approached, you were the only one approached to write this song. Somebody knew what they wanted, what were they looking for? What happened when you made this song? Well, uh, yeah, somebody, I guess, that I had no- known was, uh, under, was told that they uh, uh, were looking for a special uh, composer for a documentary that was made to help raise funds for, for I guess, at that time, it was a United Jewish Appeal, and they wanted to use this video in the fundraising everywhere to inspire people. And uh, so I was asked to compose uh, music and particularly uh, to score a song. And so Annette Tucker and I, I asked her to help me with the lyrics. I created the music. I recorded it at Warner Brothers in Burbank with a 50-piece orchestra and, uh, and gave it to them after I scored it to the film. And, uh, and then they used it very successfully actually around the world. That is amazing. Do you know how much money they actually raised because of this video? Well, you know, it's hard to break down because, um, I mean, how do, you, how do you break down where this person gave $5,000 more at a fundraiser because he was inspired by the film or he would have done it anyhow? But from what I understand, when, uh, when they were using the film uh, versus not, they had much more success. And uh, people were inspired and were talking about it. So I, cu- I couldn't say if they raised $50 million, maybe it would have been $40 million or something if they hadn't had the film. But I really don't know. That, but, but again, it's all, it goes back to the original point that music is powerful. And your music clearly is powerful, which is probably the goal that you want anyways. As that's where you're, you're trying to create something with, with feeling, with emotion. You're just writing the song. You're writing the music to create the emotion. The words are nice, but it, it's, that, it's that tune, it's that tone, it's that feeling. It's fantastic. Really, really fantastic. So, okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I thought I cut you off. Um, I don't have so much time left, but I tell you what. I know we have two other songs that we have loaded up. I have Jacob's Theme and I have Star of David. Which one would you like us to give a a couple-second roll and then you'll tell me why you wrote it? Maybe we'll have time for both, just not sure. Okay. Did you already play We're Coming Home or are you going to? We actually played it underneath us as we were talking. I'm glad it didn't bother you. Oh, no, I never never heard it. There's actually a... uh, uh, a famous, uh, most famous Israeli poet laureate, Ehud Manor, uh, wrote a uh, Hebrew version. He was so impressed with the English version, and it was called By Yashan Chayim Kadashim. It was more of a poetic message, but the same thing. But you to mean, get back you, to your question. You mean this song, Aaron? The one that's playing now? Can he even hear that song? I wonder if he can hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see. Can hear that. Yes, By Yashan. See, I wanted to make sure. Yeah, we. Oh, we're. These guys here in this studio are unbelievable. They got everything ready just to play as soon as you're ready. But okay, so while that one's playing behind us, so in our few minutes left, um, let's, I, I thought you could pick one of your other two songs, either Jacob's Theme, you have hundreds and hundreds, but we, we, I've been listening to Jacob's Theme and A Star of David. Just pick one. Well, if you, how about you pick what you think the audience would enjoy? Uh, let's do Jacob's to- Theme. I'm going to put it on you. Yeah, I see. Everyone passes the buck nowadays. 
that's well, that's what rabbis are for, you know. That's right. That's that's right. Now we get a little more. I told everyone we have to have some culture in our lives. We have to have some feeling. And this really starts powerful. Now, I guess if I was on NPR, I could explain the power of this song, but I am not, and I can't. But um, let's take it slow. Uh, Why did you make this song? Well, you know, glad you asked that, because sometimes I don't know why I'm writing something before I'm actually commissioned or asked for it. it's, It's an intuitive, and you have that too, I'm sure. It's an intuitive thing, like... I don't, it's not like I hear voices, but it's a strong feeling that, oh, i got to create this, and I'm not sure why I'm doing it. And, um, and Star David was kind of that sort of same thing. I just felt it. I heard it in my head, and I, just, and I, and I can create very quickly, like instantly as I sit down, and then I orchestrate it. And, start, and, then, and it came up. They, I, I was told that they're doing a big Christmas program with an orchestra and choir, at the, the at the Meyerson uh, Symphony Hall, a major symphony hall in Dallas, and it's a holiday one, and they'd like something Jewish to go along with the uh, Christian music, and so they took the Star. I, I said, well, by the way, I'm happy to be working on something, so uh, Star David was performed there. That is amazing. Except, is that are we playing Star of David? Oh, that's so funny. I, I, you know, you're very good, Aaron. I thought I told. Um, Tony over here to play Jacob's theme, and he played. Sorry, you played both. Oh, see, and I'm clueless. But in any case, it is all beautiful. It is all moving. It is amazing that your soul creates all this kind of of vibes. It's just really amazing. It's amazing, amazing. I tell you what, I, I have a few minutes till I get to my break till I have to let you go. What would you like to leave us with? And then if people want to learn how to get music composed for them or how to look up any of your music, we'll give them some ideas how they can find you. So what would you like to leave us with? Well, just uh, very quickly before I give a pitch for my, myself, just for people just to follow their passion and their intuition and, and just go with it. Life is too short and, and, and just have to have faith. Uh, and, and God gives us, I think, uh, uh, just, he tests us, but he gives us, he doesn't test us to the point of where we could necessarily fail, but he does definitely, I believe, push us, and uh, we can have plans, but of course, like you said, God is the one that pulls the strings, and you hope for the best. Now, I can be, I can be reached, uh, and they can go to my website at my name at www.aaronacaplan.com, um, and uh, or they can email me at Aaron A. Cap K A P at Gmail dot com, and uh, and I'll and and go onto my website. They can get all kinds of information. They can listen to music for free. They can contact me if they want at my studio four six nine four six seven seven zero zero eight. I also uh, write special music for people for special occasions if they want. They can come and to my studio and record, or I can do that for them. I, I do a lot of different things. I have songwriters and singers come in and record, and I can add orchestra to it. I, I can do everything in my studio. So uh, uh, you name it, uh, I'm, I'm here to help people whatever they need. Aaron, I am so glad we, we, uh, we connected. I'm glad we connected. I think it was on LinkedIn. 
I appreciate your music. I appreciate your passion. And here in the studio, they love the fact that at 30, you went to follow your passion. They love that. So, Aaron, I hope one day we actually sit down and have a cup of coffee. Until then, have a great weekend, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Rabbi. It's really been an honor and a privilege to be with you, and thank you again for having me as a guest. Okay, be well. You too, sir. Okay, very good. Gives us a couple minutes. Again, I hope you learned a lot of stuff. Uh, some of the doctor, right brain, left brain, hopefully some of you followed. If not, I don't know, just look it up on Google. They tell you what you need to know. Um, with our few minutes till the break, um, a few days ago was a fast day. It was actually a fast day for three different tragedies that took place, and I wanted to make sure we touched on them. One was the walls of Jerusalem were surrounded before the first temple was destroyed. Um, as we say, that was the beginning of the end. You know, it's even the second temple was a continuation of the first, but the destruction of the first temple just really led to our the exiles we're in now. So that's a fast day. Um, it's called the 10th day of Teves. I told my class most fast days are just a number on the calendar, 9th of Av, 17th of, uh, of uh, Tammuz. So, and this is the 10th of Teves. That's one. The second tragedy was the great Ezra the scribe. He was the one that brought the Jewish people back uh, from Babylonia to rebuild the second temple. Uh, The Talmud says he was so great that he, if there wouldn't have been a Moses, he could have been Moses. Um, So he was that fantastic leader. And when great leaders pass away, that itself is is a destruction for us. It's a loss for us. It's, it's something we can't get back. So we also fast for him. He actually passed away on the, on the 9th of Teves, not the 10th. And interesting enough, the, there's a, a third reason that was on the 8th day of Teves, and that was the Septuagint when the 70 uh, Talmudic scholars had to translate the Torah into Greek. What happened was Tolmai, we've talked about Hanukkah's story, and the Greeks had taken over the world. Alexander took over the world. After Alexander dies a few years into his reign, he only lasted six years. So his kingdom was split up into three. There was a southern kingdom. That's like North Africa, Egypt. Israel was part of that southern um, empire. There was the, the, um, the Assyrian empire, like the northern kingdom. And then there was, I guess, uh, Persia, that area of the world. So the kings in the southern kingdom, in the North African Egyptian kingdom, were called Ptolemy. So they, again, like Greeks of those days, they were highly educated. Education meant everything, and they had their library. And in Alexandria, they had the world's greatest library. So someone told the king, they said, "Eh, you don't got that Jewish Torah. You don't got the Jewish Torah. You don't got anything. So he said, okay, how am I going to know if I ask the Jews to translate? Maybe they're tricking me. I, I don't read Hebrew. How am I supposed to know the translation? I know. I will take 70 great rabbis. I'll put them all in separate rooms. I will give them three days to translate into Greek. And if there's any discrepancies, I know they're playing with me. The problem was there are parts of the Torah that don't translate well. One of the famous ones is uh, the name of one of the non-kosher animals is an arneves which was the name of the wife of Tolmai's, the name of Tolmai's wife. So it's a little, doesn't look good when your Torah says that the king's wife is not kosher. So they all retranslated it the same. It was miraculous. So with all these miracles taking place, which created the Septuagint, what are we fasting for? 
And the answer is that now the world felt we got the Jewish Torah. They didn't know there's an oral law, there's explanations. When you look at the Hebrew, there's numerous facets. So that's why we're fasting. That's a quick overview. Now I'm up to my break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Yonason uh, Goldson of Ethical Imperatives. And we're going to wrap up our day. So hold through the break. I'm Rabbi Tzvi with Let's Talk Torah, and we'll be right back. Do you want to see things like this? Did you just say you died? <laughs> well, I mean, technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We need to have a talk. <laughs> I take my axe and I smash it. No! <laughs> and check out Podquesters, the show where we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous tricks. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Oh. Anyways, Podquesters, Fridays, only on NewRadioMedia.com. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Walled Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The New Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly, all for free. Do it now. Stay connected. And we're back. And are we good? Okay, I don't know why. This came on over here. We're going to use this later. Okay. Uh, Yannison, are you with us? Yes, I think I am. You are with us. Not sure what happened over there. We're joined by Yannison Goldson of Ethical Imperatives. Yannison, how are you today? Thank God. And how are you, Rizvi? I am fantastic in our wet, rainy weather. And I'm sure St. Louis is probably not much better. Well, it is December. Well, December is supposed to be snow, go sledding, boots, <laughs> snow pants, not raincoats. That's not what I'm in for. But in any case, Jonathan, as always, the clock is ticking. All right. Well, if you've never read the whimsical newspaper The Onion, it's worth an occasional look. Its fictional reports expose the absurdity of contemporary culture and provide a window into where our society is headed. This week, the fabricated story tells of a man who's finally able to forgive himself for a terrible mistake he made two seconds ago. He describes how the burden of guilt has been lifted from his shoulders and how he hopes his example will inspire his wife, who is still suffering from emotional strain and remorse over something she did 14 seconds ago. This hysterical story blends two pervasive first world problems, self-absorption and inattention. Our little problems balloon into crises, and our lack of focus prevents us from contemplating our real problems. This week's Torah portion begins 
with the appearance that all is well. The brothers are reunited, they have settled securely into their new home in Egypt, and the patriarch Jacob has peace of mind for the first time in his long and troubled life. But that security is an illusion. A long and bitter exile lies ahead. Generations of slavery and oppression wait just over the horizon of history. The lives of Jacob's grandchildren will be filled with unimaginable suffering. But the approaching exile is also not the whole story. The travails of the Jewish people will strengthen them so they can become the Jewish nation, so they can shoulder the responsibility of bringing the light of wisdom and spiritual purpose to the world. Our existence as individuals and as a people is a long game. It's a game we win by looking beyond ourselves, by recognizing that each moment stretches backward and forward to the beginning and end of time, and that each of us is the sum of all the little decisions we make as we strive to fulfill the potential with which we were created. The more clearly we focus our attention on why we've been put in this world, the more we will find happiness and success in the moments of our lives. May we all enjoy a very good Shabbos. Thank you, Yannis, and as always, have a great Shabbos, and we'll speak in a couple weeks. Very good. Okay. Moving along in my last couple minutes, we're up to our next poster. Kelsey, are we ready? We are ready. So we're up to our fifth letter. We're up to a very interesting letter. It's the letter Hey. It's really the easiest letter to pronounce. It's really just breathing. And what's interesting is it's such a simple letter to pronounce. And the Talmud tells us that God created the world with this letter, a letter that's just breathing air. It's just something to think about. But our word of the week is Hallel. Hallel uh, is from the word praise. Uh, certainly one of the things the Levite tribe did in the temple was they would sing. They would sing praises to God when sacrifices were brought. And it was an integral part of the sacrifice. They sang, they had musical instruments, just a really good uh, tie-in to all the music we've been experiencing with our guests and all the things we've been talking about. So that's this week's word. Our work is Hallel. Hallel means praise. That's that letter Hey. Again, you want a description. The letter Hey looks like last week's letter, the dollar, that inverted L with a leg, with a second leg, but the second leg is not attached to the roof. So that's our letter. And in our couple of minutes, I saw an, a fascinating story. Um, my third graders asked me if this story is true. Um, I'm going to allow you to be the judge. And if you don't know the answer to that, um, I'm sure we'll find someone to send you to. Anyways, Steve left his apartment on the corner of 7th Avenue and 77th Street to catch the 707 bus, like he did every morning. Well, before he gets to the bus, lying on the floor is a manila envelope. That manila envelope is filled with $7,700 bills. He says, whoa, I struck it rich. But he missed his bus. So he hails a a taxi to take him to his office. And uh, amazingly enough, the the charge of the taxi is $7.77. He says, whoa, this is obviously a sign from God. He says, I ain't going to work today. Taxi, take me. To the racetrack. Takes him to the racetrack a little further away. When he gets out, the charge is $77.77. He says, it's unbelievable. God is, is, is giving me a sign. So he goes in, checks the seventh race. Sure enough, there is a horse called Seventh Heaven running in the seventh race. He takes that $7,700, goes to the counter and says, I'm putting this down on Seventh Heaven in the seventh race. Well... 
Um, sure enough, seventh heaven in the seventh race comes in seventh. So um, sometimes we get signs and messages, and we don't read those messages. That really takes us back to all the blessings that we were busy talking about today, that God is sending us blessing and all those things that people call luck. We talked about earlier in the show, it's not luck. It's just how God is maneuvering everything around the way it's supposed to be. And that can be affected by blessing. Certainly we want blessings from great rabbis, from great spiritual leaders, the the, the Jewish people wanted it from their patriarchs, from their matriarchs. We bless our children. We do it all the time. It's heartfelt. It's emotional. It's important. It's a special time that parents have with their children when they bless them because it comes from the heart. It's real. And, uh, but after we give the blessing, God's going to be the one that's going to play with those directions. Um, how much time do I get? I got 20 seconds. My music didn't start. Anyways, thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I couldn't do without you. Thank you my wonderful production team today. Tony, Kelsey, Alana, Drew. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Turn to Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.